blast from our past network. This week on Talking Back. Remember, short controlled bursts. Eight meters. Seven. Six. Can't be, that's inside the room. It's reading right, man, look. Well, you're not reading it right. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me is co-host Dean. And we are... This is a bit weird, because we're not starting our journey into the next franchise. Mm, yes. It's kind of like we're continuing it, but we're doing the we're doing the first entry in a long time. Yes, from like 80 or more episodes ago. Yeah, for anybody who's confused right now, we originally covered the Predator franchise, all of the movies, and we decided to continue on with a, with covering a franchise. We decided Alien would be the next great thing to do, but we have already recorded Alien 1, and we did it a forever ago. A forever so, ago, Tim. Number one is sitting, I don't even remember what episode it is. I think it's maybe It's three, I think. Or, is it three? No, it's not. It's four. It's four. No. I mean, I could look it up right now, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Tim, um, let's not look it up. Let's keep guessing. It's not. It's not three. <laughs> okay, well, let's see if we can do it. Number one is Space Punisher. Yeah. Num- number two is Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Number three was a, Number three was Annihilation. Oh, you're right. You're right, Tim. You're right. Now, yeah, did yeah, it? Did Alien me. come before or after Day Tripper? I think it came after Day Tripper. I think you're right. It's Day Tripper, two parts, and then it's Alien, two parts. So then it would be number it's six. Five and six. Number, yeah. Or six, and, uh, six, six and, and seven. Six and seven. Yeah. So, <laughs> I said three. What's wrong with me? You're awful at this game. Somewhere around there, everybody. Hey, uh, listeners, thanks for joining this week. We love um, we love you, you taking part in all this. So thanks. And what a what a great week to join. It is a great week. Yeah. So like we said, Alien is out there for everybody already. It's a two parter. It's it's really good. I let you uh, run that one, Dean, because it's your My favorite, favorite movie. movie of all time. So I think one. we had a lot of fun with that episode. Oh, Apologize yeah. in advance for uh, for our uh, audio quality. We were just we, we didn't know what we were doing. Everybody. That's when we used to sit across the room from each other. We had you had two chairs that were on opposite ends of the room and we would just sit in them. We didn't even think of moving them closer together. Yeah. Sometimes I put you in the closet and make you talk through the closet to me. And it was uh, even worse. But we're much better now. Um, But that's still a great episode to go and listen to. But yeah, we're going to jump right into Aliens this week, which is fun. Great. It's a it's going to be a real special episode, Tim, because it's. It's combining two things. It's combining our franchise walkthrough, which I love. You know how much fun I had with Predator. And we're combining a top 10 movie of mine. Right. Yeah. Now, since you mentioned that, I wanted to know, was there any movement on your list after rewatching this? Because there's usually movement. Because you, you're all about best friends and whatever, like the newest newest fad going on with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's your newest best friend. So I am wondering if there was any movement with Aliens. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Was Aliens sitting at number ten? Was it, it was number 10. ten spot? Yeah, okay. It wasn't ten, so, Tim. Did it move? Did it move at all? 
So you always give me a hard time for moving things on my list. It's not a real true list if things move. So you know what? I opened it up to move it. And then I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I have to for, I have to be a rock. I have to stand by this list. Otherwise, what good is a list if things move on it? Right, Tim? I mean, things can move, but I don't know. Okay, Because I wanted to move... to move it. I wanted to move it, but I could hear your voice in the back of my head saying, <laughs> don't move it. Don't do it. Yeah. Well, I wanted to move good. it. Where do you think I wanted to move it? You probably can guess this right off right off the bat. No, I I hadn't even I hadn't even considered this where to move it to. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I was thinking that if you did move it, you were it was only going to gain a couple of spots. I, I didn't think yeah. it was going to make a major jump. So maybe it gets to number eight. Okay. I I wanted I wanted to put it at uh, at seven. At seven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to put it at seven because we've we've had a conversation before about sort of like greatest sequels um, ever, and I thought that I thought that Blade Runner twenty forty nine was such a great sequel that you could not beat that. And so after watching this, I was like, I don't know, man, this is kind of the perfect sequel, so it should probably be ahead of that. And that is sitting at my number seven, so that's why I was like, you know what, I need to bump it ahead of that. I didn't because I'm supposed to stand by my list now. So well, I didn't. I mean, it, it would help if you if you stand by it. You, you, I mean, feel free to make changes, but yeah, I want to. I want to change if it. If that's right now. but if that's what your list <laughs> is, then anytime you watch one of those movies, your list yeah. is just, just going to change. So it always does. That's the way it is. <laughs> at some point, you have to have some conviction and just say like, yeah, this is these ones are locked in because I've watched them enough that I know where they sit, um, and not just keep flipping every time you watch the movie. But at the same time, Dean, if that's you. You you do you man. Just Thanks, do man. you. Don't worry about what I say. If you want to move that thing, all, I know. If you want to put all your uh, top ten movies, uh, write them down and put them in a hat and pull them out and reorder your list, man. Whatever you want to do. That would work, Tim. That would work. The thing is, the thing is, this these top ten movies for me in my eyes, they're all perfect. They're such perfect, great, amazing movies that I just want to talk about all day. So this is definitely one of them. I can't say that it's you know worse than a lot of the. Uh, you know, the ones that are ahead of it. So I, it can, there can be any sort of movement in those. Yeah. So this movie, dude, nominated for seven Academy Awards. Yeah. And nominated for, an for the movie. coolest Academy Award nomination in the history of the world. Which is what? Scrawny Weaver. Best actress for a blockbuster sci-fi movie. What? That does not happen. It had never been done up until coolest that time. Coolest nomination. Uh, yeah, they end up winning for best sound editing and best visual effects, which I mean, no doubt, mm -hmm. those mm -hmm. are a couple amazing things in this movie. This movie made the cover of Time Magazine that year. Perfect, it should. The only movie to make the cover that year. Oh, really? Wow. I don't know how often movies even make the cover, but that, oh, that made cool, the cover, cool. so. How did you, how did you like it? Oh my how goodness. Did, how it's... did you like this movie, Dean? It's so good, Tim. I loved this movie. I loved this watch on the movie, too. I actually haven't seen this movie that many times. Ooh, um, fun. Yeah. So I've seen Alien a lot. Um, yeah. This one I haven't seen that many times, even though I've, I've just absolutely loved it um, over the years. But uh, it was really, really fun to watch this time. Just a great movie. And we watched Director's Cut, and that is the one you have to watch. Oh, 100%. Uh, I saw this movie in its entirety before I saw all of Alien. Oh, yeah. Okay. Alien was too scary for me at the yeah. time. I just remember trying to sit through it. And the tension that they were building was so terrifying to me that I think I got up to like a certain point. And then I'm like, I'm I'm out. of. I'm tapping out. I can't handle this yeah. movie. 
uh, aliens, a little bit more of your like actiony type of movie. And it, it felt a little bit easier to watch and a little bit more fun for a kid. So I was able to get through this one and then had to go back for alien. But this movie is released in 1986 with a budget of 18.5 million and it grosses somewhere between 130 and 180 million dollars. You bet it wow. does, man. What a fucking great movie. Jeez. Great That's return. Bananas. Yes, that was the year I was born. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Clearly not a coincidence. So directed by James Cameron. I find it a bit odd that they didn't even approach Ridley Scott for the sequel. He was a bit um a bit stung by that, but Okay. I don't know. There's 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 a you know, a handful of different um theories out there as to why they didn't approach him, but they didn't even approach him, so Right. Wasn't it uh, James Cameron's killer pitch that won it for him? Uh I don't think so. Oh, okay. He just has the famous the famous pitch. Have you heard the famous pitch? No. He uh he walks into the the pitch meeting. He writes aliens alien on a chalkboard, then writes the S, then makes the S a dollar sign. Done. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> no, that um no, it wasn't. He didn't pitch this. They like approached him for it. Okay, and then upon, he, that was his like idea. <laughs> oh, based upon his um Terminator script, he hadn't even he hadn't even made oh, Terminator. Nice. He hadn't nice. even made Terminator yet, but on someone read the script mm-hmm. and was like, "That's a good script." So. Uh, I think they were looking for somebody who could write and direct because they didn't have a script to approach Ridley Scott Uh. with. Also, Ridley Scott was um, finishing a movie at the time. He was finishing Legend. And I believe he was coming off of Blade Runner was his previous movie, which didn't do all that well. And Legend would go on to not do all that well. So I think they were looking just to go in a different direction. Um, Yeah. And it's seven years later, right? So... The story, as I mentioned, was written by James Cameron, and it was also written by David Giller and Walter Hill. Now, Giller and Hill claim to have completely rewritten the script of the first Alien, but Dan O'Bannon is the one who ultimately gets credited. Oh, okay. So who knows what's going on there? Maybe something something going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Mm -hmm. But Giller and Hill are also two of the three people who started Brandywine Productions. Oh, cool. And that, that is the company that has produced or co-produced all of the movies in the yeah. Alien franchise, including AVP and Requiem. Music by James Horner. Now, we just talked about this dude in our Star Trek II episode. Yeah. Uh, his score for Aliens receives an Academy Award nomination. Perfect. Great score. Yep. Great score. Well-deserved. He shoots, he scores. Interesting. Some might say. Yeah. Interesting. A little bit of hockey there. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You you caught you caught that. Yeah. He shoots, G- he good. scores. <laughs> I'm glad you caught that. <laughs> it would have been real Nothing embarrassing but if you didn't know what I was talking about. Nothing but net. Uh, okay. As you mentioned, we watched the special edition 1990s release, mm-hmm. which is the way James Cameron intended it to be. And he'll be the first to tell you, and he'll tell you, before you watch the special edition, <laughs> you turn that me. sucker on, and before yeah. the movie even starts, there's Jimmy there sitting in his chair, ready to tell you that this is the way he intended it to be. Yeah. But he got talked into cutting it down 
because back then, even a movie that was like two uh, two hours and like fifteen minutes, which the theatrical yep. cut was, even that was too long for people. Right. So his like his two hour and uh, thirty seven minute movie was way too long. But this yeah. is what he wanted everybody to see. It was. I watched um, Alien right before I watched Aliens this time around just to, you know, get my head in the right space. And uh, Ridley Scott does the same thing on his director's cut in that um, in that Blu-ray set that we have. And it's so funny watching Ridley Scott beforehand just be like, ah, I tinkered with some stuff, whatever, you know, like, you know how it is. You just sometimes want to add something, sometimes don't. And then you get to James Cameron. He's like, this is the way the movie should be watched. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I I believe this guy. (laughs) Yeah, he's very direct about it. (laughs) Yes, Ridley Scott. It's like, okay, I could either take it or leave it. Seems like he could either take it or leave it. But James Cameron's like, this, watch this. This is the one. Okay, let's get into it then. Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Beautiful opening shot of a shuttle floating through the blue and black of space. Yeah. I was just, I was captivated right away. Looks great. We also see here that we're getting a direct sequel to the first movie because it's Ripley's shuttle, right? It's just, here it is. She, she got into that shuttle at the end of the last movie. Now she's floating in it in this movie. Yeah. Great. And um, her shuttle gets picked up by a deep space salvage vessel. And they take her to a great looking space station. Oh, yeah. I mean, my Everything at the goodness. beginning. Everything at the beginning of this so movie just cool. looks so good, so crisp, crisp, so nice. And, and like right away, you're just like, okay, this already is just like, this is just going to be an upgraded alien film. Like already I can tell these visuals are great. And Tim, already we're into a franchise where the next movie picked up right where the first one left off. I don't think we had that. We, I guess we, we might've had that once in Predator when, uh, AVP Requiem picked up right after AVP. Yes, correct. I like when uh, sequels pick up right after the first one. I get excited. Just one big story. As soon as I started, I just get very excited. Yeah. So at this great looking space station, uh, Ripley gets to meet Burke. And Burke tells her that she's been floating for 57 years. Wow. Oh, shit. What a shocker. Like the first time you hear that, that is a shocker. That sucks, eh? That really, I mean, that does suck, especially since we're like, okay, uh, picked up right after. Perfect. She just gets rescued. This is awesome. 57 years, been floating in space. Right. Like that, that's, I guess it's, it's the direct sequel, but I guess that that was the question, right? Well, how long yeah. has she been floating for? And it's been a long time. And uh, yeah, it's just, it, it's so cool and smart to pick up like that, to make us all think it's right away and yeah. then drop the 57 years. Like we learn with her. That it's been so long. Instead of just like putting it on the screen and being like 57 years later or something. We learn with her and so we feel that shock. Yeah, cryostasis is an amazing thing. It really is. uh, She didn't look like she aged a day. She did not. Now, the scene quickly turns wild as an alien bursts out of Ripley's chest. And I'm losing losing it. I'm just thinking, what is going on? Uh, It turns out it's just a dream. But that's a hell of a way to start the movie off, dude. I am sh- I am sure they fooled every single person watching into believing that that was actually happening. And yeah, for sure. I don't think dream sequences were even a thing, you know, at that point, right? Oh, I don't know about that. No? Okay. Like, I like it's such a it's such a teaser now that you can do this a bunch of stuff and then, like, we'll just play it off as a dream. But I don't know how big that was then that they would just do some sort of crazy shocker like that and then be like, ah, oh, it's a dream. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I think, like, dream sequence or not, 
I think it's it's still a, a, a big shocker at that point. Like, oh yeah, whether 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 there had been dream sequences, this still was going to catch people off guard, right? Yeah. Because this is like her her nightmare it was to have this happen, and they set this up though. I don't know if you noticed, but as they're panning through her shuttle, like when they when the deep salvage team gets her, mm-hmm. and um, they're doing a bit of a pan. There is some sort of backpack or something that they specifically made look like an opened alien pod. Oh, interesting. So I, I think that if you caught that or if you subconsciously caught that, this is making more sense to you. And I don't uh. really remember seeing that before, but I saw it this time. I'm like, that looks like an open alien pod. That's oh, got to cool. be for a reason. So I love that they actually set that up a little bit. Totally. Attention to detail. I I, I do like that. Um the alien doesn't actually burst in the dream. It's like coming out. It doesn't, but it like, it, it right. doesn't burst the chest. You can just see it like coming, pressing against the skin because it's still like just teasing us. It's still like, wait for it. Not yet. Yeah. Well, it really shows you how stretchy the human skin is. It doesn't. I mean, it was a full form out of the chest. It just hadn't quite ripped the skin yet. Yeah, that was out there. That was just about to rip the skin. Oh, it was close. Just about was there. Close. We were, oh, we were just, like, oh, and then we didn't get it. Just we got didn't away. get the chest burst. She woke up. Yeah, she woke up. Good. Thank goodness. Ripley also learns here that her daughter passed away two years ago. And yeah. we see a picture of her daughter, Amanda, uh, looking older than Ripley, which is... Like mm-hmm. so bizarre. It's just totally that, that that really helps you kind of like understand um, the idea that they're playing with. I always enjoy seeing it rather than just trying to picture it in your head. Yeah. Um, but th- that picture is actually of Sigourney Weaver's mother in real life. Oh, nice! It looks it looks like her. So that's yeah, it perfect. Does. Yeah, it was cool. Her mother played her daughter in a movie. That's awesome. Mm, yeah. <laughs> There's a neat, trivia eh? question for you: Whose mother exactly. played the actress's <laughs> daughter? Awesome. Yeah. But I really like the loss of Ripley's daughter here because it immediately breaks her ties to Earth. Yeah. Because if her daughter is alive at this point, she is going straight home. That's it. There's no questions asked. She is going home. So that's her only thing that's tying her to Earth. And they immediately get rid of it. And it's perfect. Really like that. It's a scene that is necessary. This is a scene that's only in the director's cut, and it is necessary for breaking her ties to Earth and then building her character for later decisions. It is so necessary and needed, and I this is what makes the film, you know, complete. If you just skip this, people can be like, why doesn't she just go back to Earth? Why wouldn't she just go back to Earth? You're right. (laughs) Why wouldn't she if she had a family back there? Perfect. And they also mention daughter didn't have any kids. So she has nothing. She's got no ties at all. We get um, another director's cut only scene where Ripley has a hearing regarding what happened uh, to the Nostromo and she's getting questioned for her actions. And while this like, uh, I don't know, while this hearing is happening, mm-hmm. um, she's kind of standing up and behind her on a screen, they're flashing the pictures from all the people from the yeah. first movie who died. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know what it is, but I am just in love with that. I just... I yeah. love seeing these characters that we love. And to bring them back, it really ties these movies together. Uh, this isn't the only thing. There's many things that tie these movies together, like seamless tie-ins. This is one of them. It just makes you feel like the first movie just happened. And yeah. oh, I just and it did. I it so did appreciated. Yeah, exactly. I so appreciated that yeah. attention to detail, just throwing those, those characters up on the screen. Totally. I, I love this sort of hearing scene because 
of that, um, that she has just had this happen to her. And now they're just showing pictures of her friends on the screen who died. And they're like, okay, but like, what actually happened there? You know, like, did you really, did you really see anything? Did anything really happen? These people who are in the hearing questioning her haven't even, weren't even born probably when this shit was going down. And it's just such an interesting dynamic in that room that you just get so frustrated with her. They like, they do a perfect job in this film of you getting so mad along with Ripley. Yeah, because she's having to defend herself, right? Because nobody believes yeah. her. They're like, yeah. uh, tell us again about this creature. What does yeah. it do? It sits on your face and then poops in your mouth and yeah. then something comes out of your chest. <laughs> okay. And it, okay. it's made of acid. It's just like, okay, really? And there, yeah. we have no evidence of this, really? And uh, you blew but up we, our we ship. all saw it. We all yeah, saw it. Yeah. 60 years ago, you blew up our ship and we've been really hurting financially because right. of that. And we yeah. we need someone to pay for that. We really cared about that ship. Yeah. That I didn't know about until I was 25 and got this job. Yeah. So they don't like any of the answers she's giving. And they strip her of her rank of flight officer. Ugh, jerks. And, and Ripley just says, she just says, guys, come on. Just check out LV-426. Check it out. Like All this is there. You will find it. Yeah. And uh, one of the guys, the guy running the show says, they don't have to check it out. They've been on that planet terraforming for 20 years. What the fuck? <laughs> that is super cool, man. I really yeah, like man. that. Totally. I don't even it's know great. why I like that. I, I guess I like it because I think it's cool that humans have been there for 20 years, but yeah. there hasn't been an altercation, right? It, uh, totally. It, yeah. It makes so much sense with like the uh, alien process and like the face huggers, how completely useless they are without a host. Right, yeah. like they're just they're sit. They've been sitting there for twenty years, unable to do anything. Right, they just sit in that egg, like just waiting to open, waiting for someone just to come. Waiting by for and... movement. Yeah, yeah, but th- but then if that pod opens up, my goodness, you get this super formidable creature. But yeah, they need for they sure. need somebody there. They need somebody yeah. there. So really cool. Um, we we now go right to that planet LV four. 26 and this is more director's cut stuff in yeah, my opinion it. the most important stuff that was cut out yes it is hadley's hope uh where the colonists are population of 158 and dude at this point in the movie i had to go back and double check how much the budget was because this movie looks so expensive we're yeah. like 15 minutes in and i can't believe how amazing everything looks i feel like They've almost used up the entire 18 million already. It's yeah, just about first gone. 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where they're going to, they're just going to keep reusing sets. Um, none of that is the case. They just keep giving us new stff It keeps Incredible job. Incredible yeah. job on that budget. It really, sure. really is. It's amazing what they pulled off. So in this director's cut, after they speak with Ripley, the company sends Hadley's Hope new coordinates to look into. Right which takes them to the alien vessel. Um, so we were kind of going there now to check out the planet. We, we meet Newt and it's her family that's sent mm-hmm. to check out this new grid location. Oh man. So we get a bit of like, we get to see her family. We get to see her little totally. brother. Her little brother, Timmy in the movie is her brother in real life. Oh, cool. That's awesome. So they find this alien ship at this new grid location they've been given. And the mother and father go inside some time passes, they come back out, the dad's, he's been face hugged, and they bring it back to the colony. 
and what Tim, what a great payoff if you saw this in the the if they played director's cut in the theater. I know they didn't. What a great payoff this would have been. You would have seen that alien vessel that we saw in the first one on that same planet and just been screaming at the screen, no, don't go oh, there. We yeah. know what happens there. It's, it's such a great vis- visual, like just of them coming up and arriving at that ship and just being like, oh yeah, let's check this out. It's just happening again for us. And it is a perfect sequel to the first one uh, with this scene included. But in the director's cut, they do it in a a great way. Because like you said, we know what that alien ship is. We know what happens. So they don't show it happening to the father. They just show the mother and father going in. And then we go back to the little like uh, whatever space car that Newt and her brother are in. And they're kind of sitting there waiting for a while. And then the mother like rips the door open and just starts calling for emergency, emergency. And then we see the dad lying there with this face hugger on his face. Uh, they don't need to show us it, right? We know yeah. what's going to happen and we're waiting for it to happen. And and it's, it was done in a great way. Perfect. Um, Perfect filmmaking. I, I really don't know, though, to be honest with you, with this part of the movie, with this specific part of the director's cut, which I feel is so important, I don't actually know which version I like better. Um I don't know if I like seeing later, like maybe 20 or 30 minutes later, when we get to the colony for the first time with the Marines and everything, everybody's gone. You're just expecting people to be there, but everybody's gone and the Mm -hmm. place is a dump. I'm not sure if I like that better or if I like seeing what happened. I don't know if it's because the first time I saw it, obviously, was just with the Marines getting there and everything is disheveled. But there's something, for me, there is something extremely terrifying about them going to make contact with these colonists. They just think maybe there might be like a radio tower has gone down or something like that and everything could be okay. But you get there, there's supposed to be like 150 people and there's nobody. It's just a ghost town. And um, what that does is it leaves it to your imagination as the viewer as to what happened, what's going on there. And I just, I feel like th- there's something very terrifying with that way of doing it. Yeah. So Tim, for me, I think the director's cut still does that because all we see is that face hugger. We don't see anything else. And for me, the director's cut sets up a timeline where I can actually understand. I like seeing beforehand what this looked like, what this station looked like beforehand. Because then when we get there and it's wrecked, we're like, oh shit, I know that this was just fine. Like a few months ago or however many you know, months ago it was that uh, that this attack happened, and I, I I can I can actually with with seeing how like clean it is and seeing those those kids riding bikes down the you know down the hallway when we walk in and everything's destroyed, like there's some shit there, and in the other version, in the regular version, this could have been happening for years. I don't know. They could have been, the company could have just been lying about the people living there for 20 years without there being a problem. Like, I just, I can't really piece it together. Whereas this, it's like, okay, she has the hearing. She tells them to go check it out. They go check it out. And then the shit happens. Otherwise, I don't even know what's going on. Like, I almost feel like someone's lying to someone and it could have been like, just, it could have been messed up like that for years. And we don't even know. If this was a brand new planet, I think that works a bit better. Like the director's cut. Now, don't get me wrong. I think the director's cut is better. But it is so very close for me because there's something, there's just something, I just remember these feelings of dread watching this when I was younger at this point where you've, where you're just expecting to see something and meet these colonists and they're all gone. There's just nothing there and, and how long it takes them to kind of figure out what's going on. Um, 
that is that is lost with the director's cut that um, the investigation by the Marines for me is is a little bit of it is lost because we mm. know what happened. We know that the aliens have made contact and we kind of know how that how that all transpired. Right. right. So, OK, I see what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I, see like, saying. I, I like I, I like them both. I think ultimately the director's cut is better for the movie. Having watched both of them, I don't know which one I prefer. Okay. So Burke lets Ripley know that they've lost contact with the colony and they're sending in a team of Marines. Now, they want Ripley to go with them as an advisor. At this point, so where Burke and Gorman from the Marines come to talk to Ripley about this, I get the feeling that a significant amount of time has passed for sure. From just when they were having that uh, hearing with Ripley, I think, I mean, my guess would be a couple of months, maybe two or three months, because yeah. they mentioned Ripley had gotten a job and was like doing things in, in the loading dock and stuff like that. So in this in this scene, um, Burke tells her that she can have her flight license back if she goes along with the mission. Yes. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, Burke. You took my flight license away. Well, Burke didn't. To me. Burke didn't well, do it. Well, whatever. I know, I know Burke didn't, but like, come on, you take that flight flight license away and then you're like, hey, if you come on this really dangerous mission, we'll give it back to you. Like, keep your, keep your license. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if she really cares about that license anymore. Oh, I know she doesn't. I just think it's a dick. It's a dick move just to be like, eh, yeah, we'll give you your license back. I don't know. I guess, yeah, I didn't, hadn't thought about that before. I guess he's just trying to, he's trying to get her to go. I guess maybe he... Maybe he thought that that license means more to her now than it does. Yeah. Uh, it's not all the license of, all, that gets her to come around. That's for sure. No, no, no. All that matters to her now are her nightmares, right? So yeah. she adamantly turns it down and just says, I, yeah. 100%, I am not going with you. She she keeps having these terrible nightmares that are just mm-hmm. uh, haunting her. And it's because of that that she eventually does agree to go. She just wants to put an end to these nightmares. And that's it. So off we go. Yeah. And I think here's where you're thinking, like, if if why would you ever go back? And if you have nothing on earth and also you have this connection to your losing your family, missing out on your entire family, even telling your daughter that you'd be back for a birthday. So she went on her whole life not knowing where you were or not knowing why you didn't come back. And so I can see her when she realized that it was families on that planet that she would be like, okay, I also need to go help out those families because that's the attachment I lost. Yeah, very good point. Very good point. So it's a it's a combination right now of her having no ties to Earth. Yeah. Her knowing that f- they've lost contact with families on LV426 yeah. and the fact that it's been a few months of her living on this space station and probably having these nightmares for months. So they only we only see the two occasions of the nightmare. The one at the beginning where the alien Oh, dude, it just about burst through the skin. It's it so was close. Almost, Tim, it's it was so almost through the close. chest skin. It was so close. It was, yeah, so close. It's like a photo finish. It's like, oh, it's just about there. Oh, no, it didn't. It oh, didn't. win by and a then, nose? No. <laughs> yeah, and, and then we see uh, we see her wake up with another nightmare, and she calls Burke, and she says, yeah. you know, I'm in. But Get rid of those nightmares. What they don't show us is probably two or three months worth of nightmares. For sure. Right. Yeah. To support to support this decision to go. So whole bunch of reasons here for her to go, uh, which I think is important so that it yeah. doesn't just look like, oh, I'm never going there again. That was the worst experience of my life. OK, I'll go. Sounds good. I, you yeah. know, I'm I've got vacation time coming up. Let's go. 
Yeah. And that's yeah. like, that's the way the movie flows. Um, it definitely not in the director's cut In the director's cut. It flows. A li- there's a little more time in between, but you yeah. got to understand there's months like there, there's definitely right. some months in between this. This isn't just, she has the meeting and then all of a sudden she changes her mind. Like that is not, that is not how quick it happened. Yeah. I wish they had touched on that a little bit more. Uh, right, just, yeah. just made it seem like a little bit, or just tell us like uh, a little bit more time has passed somehow, yeah. but they even don't. Even just in so dialogue, if, just mention like, you know, how long it's been, you know, yeah. how long you've been working even like, I don't know. They, they, they do, they they do it in a very in. subtle way. And I think yeah. they thought maybe it wasn't that important, but I, I think it is important to know how long she's for been sure. there having these nightmares for. So for sure, for we, sure. Um, we immediately move here to a military ship and we see it's very well armed. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, most ships up until this point in the franchise have been like uh, dumpsters, you know, it's just yeah. like not very nice, gritty, dirty. This military ship is clean. There's weapons, there's drop ships, mm-hmm. there's uh, all-terrain vehicles on. It's like, this thing is made of money. So it's really totally. cool to see that. And totally, yeah. we get to see that on this ship as well, we have a team of Marines. Yeah. I, I like, I like that you, like you're saying in, in Alien, it's like, Space is a job. That's like the thing that is is alien. You know, you could just have a regular job, but it could be in space. And this one is uh, space is war. You know, we can do war in space now, too. Like, it, it's kind of just, again, just building on that idea that the first movie set in place. Yeah. Now, this group of characters, these Marines, this is something I was 100% not expecting to find in this sequel. Yeah. And it's just such a great idea. It's such a smart thing to do. You have a bunch of hard-assed warriors mm-hmm. and an android now ready to kick ass on the xenomorphs. Yes. For me, this is the first point in the franchise where it actually feels fun. This is mm, our yeah. first moment of fun. That's an emotion we have not had the luxury of experiencing yet in this franchise, but it's here with, with this group of characters. The Marines are suiting up. And they're all looking sexy and ready to go. Dude, I honestly, like, I feel like we're going to go wipe out some aliens and be oh, home yeah. in time for dinner. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's, that's it. This, this is like, you just, you know. This that's ca- what these Marines think too. This they case think is closed already. Easy. Yeah. This is the, t- the toughest guys. They're not, they're not even afraid at all. Like, the, no. all, all this group is just ready to go. Badasses. Like, it, it, it's going to be over. It's going to be no problem. It's a piece of cake. Piece of yeah, cake. Yeah, the one the one alien terrorized, you know, a bunch of whatever, you know, uh just workers, you know, who didn't who weren't earned at all, just didn't Families, have any sort dude. of Families. Yeah. Oh well no, I know. I mean I mean an alien. I mean an, an alien. One terrorized Oh, an alien. The whole ship. Yeah. One terrorized the whole ship. So now, you know, well, maybe there will be more because we saw a bunch of eggs there, but these there are these Marines are trained. This look they're they have guns. They're so tough. They do the knife, they do the knife game. Yeah, the knife game. You want to talk about the knife game? Uh, we can talk about the knife game, sure. We're a bit, we're a bit uh, ahead of that, but let's talk about the knife game. Um, the knife game is great because uh, we get uh, Bill Paxton. That's why the knife yeah. game is great. What is this okay. reaction? This reaction is something I've never seen in a movie before. His reaction? <laughs> it's so good. It just sets the stage for this guy. You know what I like best about the knife game? What? Um, bef- just before the, the knife game, when Ripley's talking to Bishop, Bishop, uh, they're talking about how the first android and alien like completely malfunctioned and like went against the crew mm-hmm. and Ripley gets all like upset when, oh no, I guess it was just after. That was just after. Um, yeah. It was just after. Cause, um, 
he, he had nicked himself and the, the white yes. milk was coming out. So yes. she's like, oh, an android. Oh, I don't like them. And he said, um, oh, like that was a faulty model. Um, we're programmed now. We could never hurt. We could never hurt anybody. Yeah. yeah. So what I like about that knife game is that he put his hand on top of Hudson's hand. Yeah. Just in case he he missed so that he would hit himself instead of hitting hitting Hudson, right? Right, because he can't harm him. He can't, yeah. That, he can't that's harm good. a that's human. Good. So he... I, I like right after that scene where he's talking to Ripley, I like right after that because of Burke, where uh, uh, Ripley's like, what? There's like, there's an android? And Burke's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I totally forgot. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah right, yeah. I right. Forgot, oh, yeah. I, yeah, I forgot an android tried to right. shove a porn <laughs> magazine down your throat. <laughs> that's, that's I right, totally right. forgot about that. Yeah, he's Ripley's like, android right like, turned on the whole crew. Yeah, oh, he yeah. almost murdered all of them. Oh, I forgot Oh, yeah, about I forgot. I, totally, I didn't even right. think of I spaced on Shit. that hard. And this Shit. is going to be moment like one of Burke spacing on stuff. He spaces right. on everything. <laughs> I love it. I think that this is such a great, like, slimy performance from Paul Reiser here. I think it is so he's money. believable he's very believable so money yeah yeah it is money i love it so the marines load up into a drop ship and they head down to lv426 cool i just want to say we could probably spend an entire episode digging into the marines and into their characters yeah. and into all the things we love about them because they're such a big part of this movie but uh we just don't have the time to do that so we are not going to do that yeah that is totally fine tim i was planning on focusing on some other things anyways what we get here, though, with the with the Marines and like in the dropship and on the space station or not the space station, but their spaceship, their bigger ship mm-hmm. is we get this great break in the movie uh, where we're allowed to feel calm and we're allowed to feel comfortable. Yeah, uh, we feel safe with this group of characters. You almost forget that there's aliens involved where you they're just, going you come yeah. to love these characters so much totally. that everything else kind of fades to the back of your mind. And it's, 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 they really do a great job of creating this illusion that the Marines are in control. It's, 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 oh, yeah. it's really, really, really well done. Uh, that all ends really quickly, though, uh, because the Marines land at Hadley's Hope. Of course, Hadley's Hope is all busted up. Uh, nobody's mm-hmm. around. Um, lights are burnt out. There's destruction appears to have happened all over the place. And the Marines turn on their motion trackers for the first time. And this is one of my favorite things from any movie. This motion tractor. Mm, tractor yeah. It's not, this motion tracker. Yeah. For some reason, has had such a big impact on me. And I don't know why. I just, I love that thing. It's just the idea cool. that you could track something in the room. Uh, in our Firewatch episode... That's an item that you you end oh, up getting in that game. Yeah, yeah. You get a, a motion tracker like that, and it was so much fun to get that. Um, anytime you're in like an alien game and you get one of those things, it's just so cool. It's just, I don't. I guess it allows you to use your again. It allows you to use your imagination about yeah. something terrifying that could possibly be coming, but you don't know. You don't know what it is or where it is. You just know that there's something there. Yeah, it's the same thing as with Firewatch. As soon as those beeps start getting closer together you just your heart rate starts going up with those beeps and it's the same thing with these motion trackers trackers and alien aliens when it's just like as soon as that beep starts going you're like okay okay it's they're coming they're coming something's coming what is it i can't see anything it's it's so well played sound is so well used with those motion trackers and also like visual because you see the dots on the screen but i would say more that sound of just like the beeps coming quicker and quicker and quicker if you give me like 0.2 of a second 
of a soundbite of that beep, I can tell yeah. you exactly what it is. I will tell you motion tracker from aliens. That is just, that is that sound. It's that's that's all it could be. They do a really great job here as as well of establishing that each Marine has a camera on their body. Oh, so they, good. They, they take the time to say like, okay, we're setting cameras up, like turning on cameras. And then we see back in the, um, in the car that, uh, you know, they're pulling up all the cameras on the TV. Yeah. Uh, I like that because it's, it's important that they have cameras on so that we can see their story in, in a little bit. Such a great idea to have cameras on every single Marine. It's like, we're going to be watching later a found footage movie, you know, like that's right. It's so cool. It's such a great idea. There's so many like small visual choices uh, that I think are create such tension in the movie. And that is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. At this point in the movie as well, I'm just I'm taking pause and taking note of how incredible Sigourney Weaver's portrayal of fear is oh definitely it's it's so excellent yeah she does such a great job she's scared at every turn in this movie it's just she has she's so traumatized obviously like such ptsd from the events that happened and she has not gotten rid of them and it's just it's no wonder she was up for the academy award because she's almost playing two different characters in this movie she's playing terrified out of her mind ripley then she's playing I have nothing else to lose and yeah. I need to save lives. I just, I need to take control and save lives. It's just, it's, it's a fascinating performance. It's really She goes incredible. through such an incredible range in this movie and she is so good at yelling at people who are being incompetent. Like she is so good at yelling at people, trying to get her point across. She, those scenes are so intense. Mm-hmm. So the crew gets to med bay here and they see that several facehuggers are captured in containers. I thought that's interesting because what that shows us is that the colonists, after getting that one facehugger on Newt's dad, they decided to go out and capture some facehuggers or probably even sacrifice crew members to get more facehuggers. So... Yeah, it's uh, interesting. They even read a report... They even read a report of removing it from someone's face and then that person dying. So it was like it was keeping that person alive just to lay the eggs. Um, very interesting. Like, I, I mean, I would have to assume that every single one of those face huggers meant the death of at least one person. And a lot of them. Yeah, a lot of them are in tanks dead. And we know when they're dead, it's after they've laid the eggs and like sort of fulfilled their purpose, then they die. So I wonder if all those ones that are in the tanks and dead are just ones they were trying to, that have come off of people's faces and they were just going to try to do like experiments on and learn about. And then all the, you know, the chest bursters came out of everyone. So that favorite sound of mine starts going off. The, uh, the motion sensors have picked something up. Mm Mm-hmm. And it starts getting real tense because we we don't know what this is. We assume it's an alien. And I remember watching this when I was younger. I turned away so many times from this movie right. just because I was <laughs> right. so scared of it. I guess yeah. they, they do such a good job of, uh, of, of tension in this movie. But the motion is not from an alien. The motion is from our friend Newt. And she has managed to survive. Yes. And doesn't look great. No, it doesn't look great. No. Not not the cleanest. No. But she's alive. Now, um, here we go. We have this young girl who Ripley can attach herself to because yeah. Newt is roughly the same age as her daughter was when Ripley left. Perfect. Uh, Newt also says that 
she'd rather be on her own than like under the protection of these Marines, which I, I yeah. thought is, is fun and, and cool. Like she knows some stuff. She knows some stuff. She's seen everyone get killed in front of her. All the adults that tried to help her out that you can just imagine were trying to save her and help her all died. So she, what does she care about those new uh, adults that have come in to try to help her? She doesn't believe that. She's going to do better on her own, hiding, going through the vents. She doesn't need them. She doesn't give a shit about them, and it's it's really good. It's perfect. I also like yeah. that uh, Ripley has someone she can now relate to because she's pretty sure that this kid's seen some shit, and now they are the only two who really know what's going on here. No one else. Everyone else is just pumped about it. They're just like, yeah, cool. Let's go. Let's bug hunt. Let's do it. Mm. Um, they don't yeah, really know what point. they're stepping into. I hadn't considered that. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. So we see Bishop dissecting a face hugger. I, I, at this point, you know, seeing it for the first time, I don't know if he's no. on the level yet or not. I'm not, yeah. I don't trust him as the Android. I don't trust him that he's on, on the good, the good team. Especially when you uh, see him dissecting that face hugger. Cause he looks so into it. Right. And oh, so you're like, so oh, here we go again. Yeah. He's so fascinated. Yeah. So the Marines are able to scan the area and find where the colonists are are all located. They're all in one area. Love it. So they decide to start heading in that direction. And Tim, this is such an interesting choice that is so scary to me that you actually pick up, oh, I found them. I found everybody. They're all huddled in one room and they're not moving. And all you see is all these blips on a screen. And I think that's such a cool visual to see all those blips on a screen, not doing anything, not moving. And you're like, do not go down there. (laughs) Don't do it. Yeah, right. Yeah, like what? So cool. What is going on there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when they arrive to that location, they find a human hung on the wall, but still oh, alive, yeah. and the woman is begging to be killed. Mm-hmm. That is another just like it just gives me the shivers that this person yeah would beg for death before yeah. what is about to come. I mean, what? What could you experience where you would beg for your death before knowing like what's next? It's just it's a very scary thing. Totally. You wake up, you wait like somebody who's plastered to the wall wakes up and we're all expecting the words help me and she exactly. says kill me. Yeah. Yeah, and immediately an alien bursts out of her chest. Oh, and a great chest burster. Like a great chest burster scene that right away I'm like, okay, upping taking what was really scary about the first. We know it's not going to be as surprising as the first, but trying to make it sort of as epic as it can be. Trying to make that chest burster as epic as, as he could. Mm-hmm. So they flamethrower that thing, and uh, its shriek wakes up the swarm. Oh, no. <laughs> and the xenomorphs start to close in. And then, so cool. dude, all hell breaks loose. So cool. The Marines get their asses handed to them here. Oh, yeah. And... Ripley is forced to take control of the situation because the commander is just doesn't know what to do. He's like, he's, he's frozen, useless, he's man. frozen yeah. in, in confusion. And well, Tim, fear. it's only a sec is only a second drop, but he's had so many simulated. So, drops. Oh, right. He's had so, so many, simulated many drops, simulations. Though. True. True. <laughs> I don't get it. But uh, yeah, so Ripley just sees everything that's happening and just like, yeah. just acts, just acts. Yeah. This, this awesome. is where, this is her break from I'm afraid yeah. to I'm Hero taking moment. control. Yeah. yeah it's just, yeah. is a, a clean break there. Uh, so she moves in to save, um, tr- try to save anybody, anybody she can. Now, it's a great scene in uh, the, uh, the APC, the armored personnel carrier, like the car they're driving mm-hmm. in. Um, 
after a very intense escape where Ripley's able to like load uh, some of the Marines up, whoever yeah, didn't yeah. get killed. Um, and they're trying, they're, they're trying to figure out what to do next. Like they're trying to regroup. They're like, they've, they've driven, they've driven off from the scene and Ripley suggests taking off from the planet and nuking the entire site from orbit. And Burke reminds her of how much money the colony oh, costs. Classic Burke. Burke. Yeah. I just, I just think Ripley delivers such a solid line here when she says, and she delivers it oh. so well, dude. She's just like, they can bill me. I, just, I oh, love so it. Good. Like, yeah. That's so great. Yeah. Bill her $4 trillion. It's, it's awesome. so perfect. She doesn't give a shit. They can bill me. Whatever. Let's blow it's a perfect it up. Line, I don't perfect care. delivery. What are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. So uh, clearly the, the Marine hype has ended here. They are not comfortable. They are not yeah. confident. Um, and this is where the terror of this franchise starts to seep back in. You yeah. start to feel like, okay, well, that was fun for a bit, but now things are dire again. Like, this is yeah. very, very scary. This is an unfortunate situation. We might all die. So Yeah, and we get all that through Hudson, which is great. He lets yeah, us all yeah. know just how scary every single fucking moment is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, while Hicks is over there just being quiet and, you know, he's kind, he's kind of the toughest one, even though he was doing no talking at the beginning. He's the one who's toughest of the bunch. Hicks? Yeah. 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 Hicks is now in command because. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't dead. doing any of the, uh, any of the, you know, the flexing at, at the beginning, but no. uh, he was sleeping he was on the drop. Though. Yeah, that was, the, yeah, that's kind of a flex. Asleep. That's kind of a flex. That's a big flex, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one, one thing before we pass the, just that big first action scene, I just wanted to say that another like ramp up that James Cameron, where I can really tell like, okay, this guy's a fan of that first movie and he's just ramping it up and making his own is when we look directly at an alien and don't know it's an alien. And then like, the Marine turns their back on that alien and then it starts to move and forms and jumps down. That is so scary because the first one has so many scenes where it's just like in the darkness and just in the shadows and then it, you know, jumps out and scares us. But what if you looked right at it and didn't even know it? And I thought that that, that one little moment was like, okay, he gets it and he's just ramping it up a bit. Like what is another scary thing about that sneakiness of them? Yeah, well, that's something I've brought up before. Like, what is that structure that they create? Like that black structure that almost looks like like a black rib cage or something like that yeah. that they can hide in. That's always yeah. close to their close to where the queen is. Uh, I question how does that get made and what is its purpose. So n neither of those questions are ever answered. But I feel yeah. like this is the closest answer we ever get, and it's that the aliens use it as camouflage. They can hide in that and not be seen so if anybody's approaching the nest yeah. then they have a defense mechanism there right so yeah that, that's all i can really feel they never talk about it it's really fascinating no, but that shot of then that shot of that one moving is just money that's the money shot right there oh that's, that's yeah, like the best really alien cool. hiding and then you know coming out of hiding moment in the entire franchise yeah so since hicks is now in command he agrees with ripley's plan Let's call the dropship in. Let's take off. Let's blow the site up from orbit. Beautiful. Great plan. Great plan. Unfortunately, there's a small problem because the dropship uh, crashes. They have a small, they have a small malfunction on the dropship. <laughs> yeah, small and, malfunction. And they crash. <laughs> they got an alien on board. <laughs> yeah, an alien made its way on. 
Yeah, because that one, what is that one guy? Why has he got that ship open? Why are they just hanging out with that ship open? I don't know. He he had to go take a dump or something, right? And he's just like coming back onto the ship. Like, why the fuck is that thing open? They think they're far enough away that they could just. I guess, yeah. Like, is he just getting some air? Like, what are they doing? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe nobody like communicated with them about what was happening. Maybe, yeah. Maybe it was just, maybe they were so panicked with, I don't know, who knows? Yeah. But um, that's fine. The, the ship crashes, their chance to make it off the planet in that way is now lost. So yeah. they uh, they go back to the colony. They barricade themselves into uh, a secure area and they just uh, take a moment to regroup. So they let us know it's going to be four weeks before any sort of help arrives. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, that's great. Yeah. Good luck <laughs> with that. So they set up some sentry guns, which is just... Again, another one of my favorite parts of this movie is just when they yep. set these guns up. I'm such a fan of this. It's just, it's such a cool idea and cool, cool scene. So I think there's a couple scenes with the guns doing stuff. And um, one of them is only in the director cut. I think they only have one in the theatrical version. Okay. Okay. Because it's another cool visual thing that's scary yes. that you yes. aren't directly looking at it. You're just looking at a gun counter down, like a, yeah. a bullet counter counting down from 500. And the closer that gets to zero, the more afraid we get. And it's just an amazing piece of film that that scares me. That watching a number count down like that scares me so much. Well, you're hearing gunfire and you're yeah. hearing aliens shrieking in shrieking, death. Yeah, yeah. But you're seeing, you're getting the idea that you can't see how many there are. That's the thing about this movie. The first one, the first alien, we're dealing with one alien. This yeah. movie, we're dealing with more, but we don't know how many We yet. have no but, idea. But these guns are taking them out. Yeah. But running out of ammo. And it's just like, they, they keep coming. It's like, it is truly the swarm in this movie. That's the thing. Hearing them shriek means we're hitting them, but these guns are still firing. <laughs> and like once that gun starts, it doesn't stop firing. It doesn't it's stop. Like, it's, that scene is so good, man. It's so exciting. And we're watching a fucking computer screen countdown for 500. It's amazing. Yeah. So Ripley puts Newt to bed and um, they continue to strengthen their bond here. Mm-hmm. Ripley gives Newt a locator. That she can wear on her wrist so that uh, Newt feels comfortable. Newt was feeling a bit afraid. I like this a lot because this locator came from Hicks. And so Hicks and and Ripley have a little bit of a flirting thing going on. But he gives her this, you know, this tracker. That's a little bit of a flirting thing. But she right away gives it to Newt. And and that kind of lets us know, yeah, she's going to have this flirting thing with this guy. But for her, it's about this kid. That is what it is about. She She gave that thing away right away. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She wants her to feel comfortable. Yeah. So Ripley learns that Burke instructed Bishop to keep a couple of the facehuggers because Ripley had, uh, I think they had agreed to destroy them, but Burke said, no, let's keep a couple. Oh, I don't know. I think we should keep some. I didn't even think about not keeping any. (laughs) (laughs) So Ripley gets some bad vibes, looks into it further and learns that it was Burke who was the one who sent the new grid coordinates to the colonists for them to check out. It was a bad call, Tim. This was his bad call. This is his fault. This is his fault. I love that. I love this guy. He's an a-hole. Burke's an a-hole. It was a bad call, Ripley. Yeah, everybody here is fucking dead. Of course it was a bad call. We all make bad calls. Dean, have (laughs) you made bad calls before? Listen, Tim, it was a bad bad calls. We've all made bad calls, okay? 
Okay. Just let it go that's already. Very, Tim, that's very fair. It's fine. It's fine. Okay? <laughs> we're, we're not all perfect. Listen, listen. Wasn't his go. best moment. <laughs> no, but it's okay. Forgive and forget, Dean. Forgive, Forgive and, forget, and forget, Burke. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> now, Bishop lets them know here that the refinery, like it's, uh, they've got... Uh, one of the things happening on this planet is like they're trying to terraform it, right? So they've, they've got this yeah. giant, giant factory that's trying to create oxygen on the yeah. planet. That sucker is about to blow because yeah. uh, the, the dropship crashed into it, right? Well, I think it's because they unloaded their weapons in that. You think that was what it was? I think that's what it was. I think the dropship crashing is what gets in the way of their. Um, being able to shut down that reactor. That's what gets in the way of them just being able to remotely do it, which is why they got to get out of there. But I think it's actually blowing up because they unloaded their weapons when they weren't supposed to, so they wrecked all the cooling system. Okay. Uh, Apon? Is that Apon told them to, he collected he collected all of their uh, ammo, but um, Vasquez uh, had, some, had some backups and like reloaded <laughs> yep. their... Reloaded their weapons uh, so they could keep firing their armor piercing rounds. So Bishop does let them know that there's a control panel that they can access to contact their ship to send out another dropship. Yeah. That that would be very convenient if they could get another dropship down here. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, the control panel is nowhere near them. Well, that's too bad. They'd have to go a long way. But Bishop volunteers to be the one to go. Interesting. And to get there, he goes through the tiniest little tube that is only big enough for him to shuffle his little body through. When he gets in there, I'm like, how the hell is he going to move? How is he going to move? He just barely shuffles, but he eventually, he eventually gets there and is able to program the launch of another dropship. But Dean, this for me is probably the scariest scene in the movie. Is Bishop shuffling through this tiny little tube yeah man because it just it was the most terrifying for me thinking that if i had to be the one to do that yeah how panicked i would be in that tiny little shaft knowing there's aliens all around barely being able to move and having to go this huge distance i always ruminated on that and i don't like that i don't like that scene it makes me very uncomfortable yeah and him not really being able to move at all is it, it makes you breathe heavier <laughs> you know you just feel that tight that tightness you would feel if you were you were in that tunnel i feel like they measured his like circumference yeah. of his and shoulders made a perfect tunnel yeah and made it just that exact same size so he can yeah. barely even move through that like he is if you haven't seen it, i mean if you haven't seen it that's you got to go see it but uh, if you haven't seen it he's just like wiggling through that little tube like it's not like he's moving his arms or anything he's wiggling to get a, to he's get stuck. any sort of forward motion he's stuck and he's just wiggling yeah when they put him in he's stuck and he's just trying yeah. to inch his way through a, this pipe yep oh my goodness enough uh, enough tim of this horror oh they go they they show us many many times they show us the the scene uh, Hicks shows Ripley how to use a pulse rifle so that she can be armed. Tim, uh, I like that. And more I, ab- I, I, I know I absolutely love these pulse rifles. I'd rather talk about the pulse rifle than the flirting. Than game. the flirting? You don't want to talk the, about the flirting between two very oh, pretty people? I'd rather talk about the pulse rifles. Okay, fine. I mean, they're come cool. on. They're pretty cool. I don't know if there's a cooler gun in any movie than the yeah. pulse rifle. 
I'm like, Tim. I'm I'm more for love than war. Okay. Well, I'm. I guess so. <laughs> okay, man. Thanks. Okay, tell me about things. Where am I supposed to go from there? Yeah. I know. I did, I did the dead end bit thing again. <laughs> okay, go. You, Tim. Tell me about the pulse rifles. I prefer learning about the pulse rifle, which is going to help later in the whole scenario, than the two of them flirting for no reason. It doesn't matter. There's not going to be time in this movie to make the love and have the sex. So that is very true. Don't don't (laughs) even time for that. We don't even need that. Let's study how to use the gun because that's what's going to be important. But what I want to say is how much damage these pulse rifles do to the aliens. Oh yeah. Like we've seen movies after this where bullets don't do all that much and predator weapons don't do all that much. Mm -hmm. These pulse rifles are blasting giant chunks off these aliens and it takes one or two shots and the aliens are just incapacitated. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's kind of one of the things where you almost have to watch the whole franchise and go back to this one to see how powerful those guns are and how much damage totally. they do. Well, I like that you set them up with heavy gear. You even have a scene where like Hudson is explaining all the heavy gear they have. And I like that that lives up to its explanation. Like I like that they get in there and their gear is heavy. Like that those bullets are taking those aliens apart. So I, I, I like that it's not just talk it up and then it does nothing. I'd rather have it be effective. But uh, Hicks says the, the pulse rifles are light though. It's one of the things he says when he gives it to her, he's like, feel the weight. It's like, it's not all that heavy. You know, I know the, there's some other guns in there that uh, were more heavy with Vasquez and Drake have those giant guns. That that was cool. Um, they've got the same guns. They're kind of doing the same job. <laughs> I like and it. on, I don't know if you noticed on her gun on the side of it, it has adios written in nice. white. Yeah. And nice. on his you can only make out a few letters. You can make, make out I-T-C-A, or I think you can make out T-C-H, but clearly it says bitch. So uh, them combined, their guns say adios, bitch. Adios, bitch. <laughs> yes, <Nice. laughs> it's cool. Perfect. So Ripley uh, goes back to lie down with Newt, and Ripley falls asleep, but wakes up to see two empty face hugger containers. Uh-oh. This, this, Tim. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, here's just more incredible scenes. I mean, my this goodness, is, this movie's this is chock full of incredible, terrifying scenes. Yeah, yeah, this is the one though. This was a hard one to watch. Yeah, uh, they're locked in. They're locked in the room. Uh, Burke accidentally locked them in. Accidentally dropped a couple face huggers in there with them, and then accidentally turns off the cameras so nobody can see them calling oh, for yeah. help. Oh Ripley, I he I made totally a bad call. With Newt. I made a, Ripley, made a I bad made a bad call. call. Okay, I made a bad call. I took the gun out of the room. I made a bad call. Listen, Ripley is smart about it. She's able to set off the fire alarm. Yeah, but uh, the facehuggers attack. Um, she's got one kind of the the tails wrapped around her neck. She's fighting it off, dude. I love I love how the Marines come in. So I think yeah. uh, they they blow they shoot out one of the windows. It's like uh, bulletproof Hicks glass. Hicks dives through it. Yeah, their their bullets go through glass for right? sure. Yeah, <laughs> bulletproof glass is nothing to the pulse rifle. No. So they make their way in, and it takes three Marines to get one face hugger off of Ripley. And I love, I love when they show things like that. We've talked about this before. I love when they show um, how powerful things are. 
mm-hmm. by showing how powerful weaker things are. Now, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But what we get here is if you're ever curious about how powerful a xenomorph might be, well, here's a face hugger, which is a fraction yeah. of the size of a xenomorph yeah. that takes three Marines to pull it off and control it. It's powerful enough to resist three Marines fighting it physically. Totally. So totally. imagine how powerful a xenomorph is, then scale that up to the queen. We don't, when you, if you watch this movie um, and you see a face hugger, I'm sure we all have the same idea. Oh, if that thing came at me, I would grab it and I just like break it in half or I'd like throw it against the wall. Totally, That's not yeah. the case. They're showing yeah. you here how strong that thing is. Yeah. Uh, I, so I really, I really liked seeing that little bit of a battle. Um, yeah. I'm totally with you again it's a moment for me where it's like okay james cameron understands the first movie he understands alien and what's scary about it and we got that like the face hugger was so scary and alien but we kind of learned at the beginning of this movie that they just sit in their eggs until they wait for someone to come so just don't go around an egg no problem no big deal you won't have to deal with that but what if one got loose what if one did get out and was running around it is not useless it is so ter- terrifying if that one face hugger thing is chasing you they they look so scary they got this weird like long leg type things and their you know their tail that wraps around your neck i love the increased terror around the face hugger that he creates in this scene so cool didn't have to do it at all and i really like this is one thing i just picked up this time watching it when it's wrapped around Ripley's neck, she can't breathe. And so she's opening up her mouth to try to breathe. And that's when it's going to go down her throat and put the egg in. And I was thinking, like, because I was watching, I was like, close your mouth. What are you doing? You know it's going to go in your mouth, but she can't breathe. Like, so it, it'll it'll strangle you so that you open your mouth. And that's when we'll plant the egg in. I just thought that was such a cool looking visual for me to actually see that that's what it was doing. And that like that it, it has a process and that's why it does the wrap around your neck thing. So your mouth can open. Exactly. I love that Newt calls out for Hudson. Nice, sweet moment. Mm, yeah, that was nice. Um, since we're uh, giving love to the facehuggers, I want to go all the way back to our first episode, then our first alien episode where we were talking about how they came up with this entire story. And it, the, 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 one of the, the final things, the final pieces yeah. to the puzzle that they needed to put together to make this a tight-knit story was the facehugger and how they get an alien from the planet onto the ship. And they came sure. up with the facehugger. But I love yes. how, how, how that's the last thing they figure out. But it is equally as formidable as any other version of the alien, whether it's the xenomorph, whether it's the, the queen... Dean, whether it's the uh, the Praetorian, is that what it's called? <laughs> the Praetorian? <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> whether it's one of those things. It is such a formidable creature. I don't know if it even gets tougher than that. Like, yeah. I think it's probably easier to kill a xenomorph than a facehugger because they're smaller. They're they're like they're quicker almost, it seems. Like they're they seem to be harder to shoot with a gun than a xenomorph would be. So it's like I love how formidable they are in that first stage. Yeah, and they are the scariest visual thing. Like, that's the scariest thing seen on someone's face. It's the scariest thing running at you. They just go so fast at you. The the actual, like, full-grown alien, I mean, he kind of smiles at you and then punctures a hole in your your skull. You know, it's like, (laughs) it seems like you have a little bit of time while he smiles at you for a bit. But that face hugger is so scary, so fast. I think you're right. It is, you do not want to be stuck in a room with that thing. Our friend Burke is officially outed here. And the aliens 
oddly enough, are not pleased with their new guests and somehow cut power to the area the Marines are in. I fucking love that, Tim. I love that line. The motion detectors start going crazy, showing signals inside their barricaded area. Mm -hmm. But there's no aliens. Like, they should be able to see them, but they can't. they can't. Yeah. Here's another really smart scene. And, Dean, this reminded me of that moment in Wrath of Khan, where Khan isn't very good with 3D space. Ooh, very true. There was no (laughs) Z-axis going on here. (laughs) The Marines didn't know to use the Z-axis. Yeah, those trackers, they don't got a Z, they don't got a Z-axis. The trackers don't have a Z-axis. That's all they got, man. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's it's a really great moment, but looking back on it, you you have to think that the Marines probably would have thought about this. And it's not that big of a deal for me, but... Ripley does say, like, as as they're all talking and they're like, where where is it? Like, where could it be? It's supposed to be inside the room with us. Ripley says, like, I don't know. We like we we covered this room. We yeah. covered the floor, but they don't say anything about the ceiling. So if they just said, I don't know, like we covered this room, there's no way in. But for her to say we like we covered the floor, like there's no way in from the floor. Why would you just check the room and the floor and not think about the ceiling? Yeah. Talk about the room. Talk about how you secured the room. You don't know how they could get in. Okay, fair enough. They might be able to get in through the floor or the ceiling. But if you've thought about the floor and the room, why haven't you thought about the ceiling? So, but, but it's yeah. fine. I get it. Like, great scene. But, you know, small beef, small beef. The aliens, uh, yeah, like you said, they, they look up in the ceiling. The aliens are coming through the ceiling. Burke takes off and locks the team in the room so that he can escape. He I don't know where he thinks he's going, this guy. Slimy, slimy idiot. I don't know. Uh, this guy just doesn't really think that much. I think this guy's just like kind of a psychopath. It was a bad it call. A bad I ran away call. from you all who had I the guns. I shouldn't have run away. I shouldn't have locked call. myself in this room. He gets what he deserves real fast. So that's uh, that's nice. That's Newt, great. though, Newt is able to be a bit of a hero here and leads the Marines through some air vents to escape yeah. that death trap that they were in. Um, she's been using these air vents for travel, so she takes them all through them. But in all the chaos that's going on, uh, the group gets separated. And basically at this point, we've lost everyone except for Hicks, Ripley, and Newt. That's kind of who we're left with after the dust settles here. Totally. Yeah. And Newt ends up falling down the wrong vent and is separated from uh, Hicks and Ripley. Mm -hmm. But she's wearing that locator. That's great. Great. So yeah. they, they, they can find her. Unfortunately, something else finds her first. Cool. <laughs> Another cool scene. Yeah, that was cool. Now, Ripley and Hicks, they make their way to the rendezvous platform, um, and Bishop comes through with the new dropship. Now, this is the first point in the movie where I'm fully trusting Bishop now. I'm like, he's, totally. he's on the level. He's doing it. He's making things happen. All right. Thumbs up, dude. Yeah, 100% on board with Bishop. Yeah. 23 minutes until the reactor blows. But Ripley says, we're not leaving. Just like that. Just like that, Tim. We're not leaving. Is she in the room with you there? (laughs) Yeah, she is. (laughs) Awesome. She is Wow, get get a mic for her. Get her on here. Um, I got some questions. She's busy. Uh, but Bishop's just like, we're not leaving. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't understand. <laughs> did I miss something? Did I miss something? This is what I was supposed to do, right? I got the dropship. Yeah, right. We're I leaving, got right? The ship, right? We're leaving. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, Ripley's uh, chance here, though, Dean. She gets her suit up scene. Yes, Tim. The suit up scene. It's so rad. We love the suit up scenes. She suits up with all of the weapons, all of them. Yes. Yes. And she's going back in for Newt. So, yeah, she's she's uh, she's completely full circle here. She does not care about aliens. She does not care about fear. She will not be denied in her journey to save Newt. She feels like she failed her daughter, I would say. Yeah. Failed yeah, her daughter sure. in her daughter's life. And this is her chance for redemption. She doesn't care. Like there's no. there if she dies, she dies, but she's going to do everything she can to save this girl's life. And this is it, Tim. This is like the the peak. This is the peak of the movie. We're as high as we get. Like it's all a build to this last action piece. And it is Ripley as badass as we're ever going to get her. And this is like the Ripley you remember. If you've seen the series as a kid or whatever, this is what's in your mind. She is such a badass in the scene. And she looks so good. This is like amazing, amazing acting because a lot of this is walking around like this, whatever, this station just close-ups on her face and reactions. That's it. Like, yeah. that's what's happening right now. And I'm so sold. I'm so into every single corner she's turning and every every single, like, flame she's she's spraying down a hallway. Such an amazing scene. I love this scene so much. I will watch this over and over again. It's one of my favorite scenes ever. It's so cool. It's so cool. So good. Um, couple things about that is that I, I buy the situation with Newt because of how well they've set it up. They've totally. set everything up for us to believe that Ripley would sacrifice her life here and go back for Newt. Hundred percent. Right? So it's not just this like lost, this lost part of the movie where it doesn't make sense. It does. It makes complete sense. And the whole Ripley going back, like she suits up with all these weapons. Yeah. But as she's going, everything slows down again. Like she's not encountering anything. Yes. There's no aliens. Totally. There's nothing. There's no people. There's nothing. She's just walking down corridors, like falsely firing up in shafts where there's nothing. And it just seems so odd that nothing is attacking her. It's just, it's very bizarre. Like they easily could have sent xenomorphs out to attack her and have her kill xenomorphs on the way. But it's far more terrifying for her not to be encountering anything here. Yeah, it is because her great, you know, the big, big scene in Alien is her sort of frantically running through those corridors. And this is the same kind of like high level tension, but she's slowly moving through them. And uh, yeah, I I love it. I love that she learned how to use all the weapons. We already got that. She, you know, she told that we just had a small scene of her saying Hicks, like being like, oh, you don't have to worry about that. And she's like, no, teach me everything. I'm here. Teach me everything. So we know she's going to know how to use those weapons. She's just so good here. So kick ass. I'm ready for her to run into something because I'm like, let's Mm -hmm. go. Like nothing's going to nothing's going to beat her. Yeah, we saw those Marines get like totaled, but I'm down with her right now. I think she can do it. No helmet, no armor, no nothing. Just the guns that she taped together. Let's do this. Yeah, so Ripley ends up finding Newt, pulls her off the wall, and they start to escape. When Ripley finds themselves in the middle of the lair and the whole egg-laying system. Oh my goodness. And Ripley sees the queen who's laying all these eggs. And it is huge, dude. It's It's huge. huge. It's fucking huge. This sack, this egg sack gets me every time. It keeps going and going and going. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's it's the armor on the queen as well. Like, I feel like when I see this queen, yeah. I feel like nothing 
that Ripley has is going to pierce this queen's armor. Oh, for sure. It just sure. seems for sure. futile. It's yes. just, this, this thing is so armored up. It's insane. It's just, oh my goodness. What a cool design. So cool. You're talking about like a uh, budget beforehand and you're like, oh, they must've blown it by now within the first 20 minutes. Like by this time in the movie, we're like, oh, they've definitely used up all the budget. I don't what understand, the, man. I don't, this I don't queen, understand. Well, this queen is all the budget. Like what the hell? This thing is a, just a giant puppet. Like it is actually that big. It's wild. If you give me $18 million, I can't build that queen for $18 million. That one million. puppet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I can build that for $18 million. So no, you're doing no some way. real magic here. Amazing. Um, I like here how Ripley actually communicates with the queen. Totally. So you alluded to, you know, they're showing us that the aliens are smart. Ripley yeah. communicates with the queen. The The xenomorphs are blocking the two exits out for Ripley and Newt. So Ripley sees that and she starts frying some of the pods and then looks back at the queen. Mm-hmm. And the queen clears the xenos out of the way so that Ripley can leave so no more pods will get killed. Yes. Um, I... I really like how much importance they're putting on the pods because basically that's like the whole life cycle of this species, right? Is if you don't have pods, you don't have a species. They are the most important piece is these pods. That's how they're going to survive, right? I I think that's very cool. And you have have another mother with her children there. Another mother trying to protect her children. I, I like how the queen waves off the Xenos like a Jedi would. (laughs) <laughs> and nice, she's just yeah. like these are not the humans you're looking for and <laughs> just kind of like waves them aside yeah. no yeah no these aren't the ones so ripley goes on uh to destroy the hell out of that pod room she gets her it. escape route and then is like uh she no, gives one no, no, little no, look no she's I'm, like i'm mm, frying them all it. anyways yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i'm doing it yeah just burn them all burn burns them all. it grenades grenades um, into the egg sack grenades oh, into the egg man. sack oh man bursting egg sack juice flying everywhere yeah there's a couple yolks mm. i saw there <laughs> oh my goodness yeah that was great the queen is not impressed at all uh, no what it looks like is like it looks like she's letting She's letting out Ripley. It looks like Ripley's letting out all of her nightmares. It's just oh, like yeah. every nightmare she had, she's unloading into the squeezing of the triggers here. That's interesting because I never thought about that. She's going there also to end her nightmares. And this is the moment. If she just backs out of there and lets that stay, she's still going to have the nightmares. She's got right. to think, I need to end these. I need to end these nightmares. Every single trigger pull is ending a nightmare. Totally, Tim. Good point. So Ripley and Newt, uh, they make their way... Um, they make their way out. They're heading back to the dropship, but we see that the queen has detached herself from the egg laying canal and is in pursuit. Oh yeah. So there's two minutes left until the place is going to blow and Ripley gets to the rendezvous point with Newt and the ship is gone. Bishop oh. is gone. Dude, Fucking Bishop just left as I'm on Bishop's yeah. side, right? Just yeah. as I finally buy into totally. Bishop being a good guy, he takes off. Now, the queen takes an elevator up. Love it. The same way that Ripley and Newt took the elevator. I, <laughs> I love, love it. it. Love it too. It's really cool. Let's say we know, we know already that they're smart, right? They've already yeah. established that. Why couldn't this thing just take an elevator? So it, it so- takes the elevator. It's cool. 
I'm not letting an elevator stand in my way. <laughs> no, that queen is so pissed. I just love, again, the the scene of it. What All we see is Ripley looking down to the other elevator and it is coming up. That's yeah. it. That's all we see. And it's like, okay, I guess it's in there. I guess it's in there and it's coming up. <laughs> I love how, how it just dings. <laughs> it dings. Like it lands <laughs> on the floor and it dings. And you're like, what? We love dings Seriously? Elevators. <laughs> yeah, what? I don't know. I don't know if the queen's going to get out or the ele- yeah. elevator is just going to explode like Die Hard. I'm not sure which see, one. <laughs> See, that's interesting because because <laughs> it's interesting because the ship's gone and the elevator's coming up. What if it's like the elevator opens and it's just like Bishop coming out of there, you know? But no, elevator opens. It's the queen. She came to fuck you up. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Ripley has uh, basically lost all hope here. Uh, the ship's gone. The queen is yeah. there. I, I feel like it's a really sweet moment. It's just like they're it's their we're dead moment. Yeah. Um, Ripley just hugs Newt and says, mm-hmm. uh, don't look, just tells her not to look. And just nice. kind of like cradles yeah. her head in her chest. Like they're both going to get killed by the queen. I, I feel like it gives us that moment to possibly feel like they don't win. They, they don't survive. Yeah. I just thought it was nice. They kind of gave us a moment like that before, you know, redeeming it with Bishop coming back up with the drop ship yeah. Um, basically just the platform wasn't steady enough anymore for him to be sitting on. So he had to be flying the ship around, yeah. but he shows up, they're able to jump on the ship and take off. And they're basically just like flying through the clouds, uh, barely escaping this yeah. thing, this, this factory as it just starts exploding. Yeah. Um, massive detonation. And basically, uh, it blows up the entire site. Just everything that everything from Hadley's Hope is just uh, obliterated. It's done. Everything on that planet has got to be done after that. They get off the ship once it gets back to their bigger ship in orbit. Right. Yeah. And um, everything's calm. Uh, it's it's this is another calm moment here because my goodness, how, like we've been just rocking for about forty five minutes before oh, this. Yeah. There has been no pause in the action. It's just been yeah. like. Go, 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 go. Just real, real roller coaster. Uh, but now it's just yeah. calmed down. You can tell the music's calmed down a bit. Everything's cool. We're, we're, you know, we're getting near the end. But Bishop takes a alien tail through the stomach and gets ripped in half. Oh, oh, no. Just as we started to trust him. Just as we're like, Bishop, you're okay. We trust. We didn't trust him. Then yeah. we trusted him. Then, then we didn't, didn't trust, trust him. him. Then we felt bad for doubting him. And now totally. we love yeah. him. And now, now he gets ripped him. in half. He yeah, now half. he's ripped in half. Oh, and what a ripping in half. And that there's was. milk everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, he's he's hosing. He's got his hose guts all over the place. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Milk and hoses everywhere. Yeah. So the queen was also able to jump on the dropship somehow and yeah. has made its way back to the mother mothership with them. And we get this really, really fun final confrontation where Ripley gets into one of the uh, loading machines that they uh, showed earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. Even before us seeing her work one of those with the Marines, that's what uh, she had mentioned, or that's what Burke had mentioned to her yep. when they were trying to get her to come on the mission. Burke just said like, you know, you've been like working in the loading dock for a couple months now yep, or something like that. Exactly. That's how we knew that a couple months had passed, but that whole time she'd been working in one of these loaders. 
So again, it's like, it's believable because they establish it, whether you, whether you caught it or not, they establish that she has been using one of these loaders for a while. So she's, when I watched this movie the first few times, I don't understand that. I don't understand how she just gets into one of these and starts using them. I assume mm. it's very easy to use. I assume I could just get in one and use it. But if you uh, pay attention to the details, uh, they establish that she's very, very good at using one of these already. Interesting. So. Yeah, that that is interesting because like when, earlier on when she takes uh, over um, that uh, person vehicle, she's like crashing into everything, you know, because she doesn't know how to use that thing. You know, right. like like she just grabs the wheel and has to get something done, but she's crashing all over the place. So I really like that. I really like that they show her not using that piece of technology, you know, well, because she doesn't know how to use it. But then we know we know she's good at the, the you know, that loader. So it makes sense that she gets into it and can actually, you know, do stuff at the end of the movie with it. Yeah. So she has like a fist fight with the queen here. And cool. kind of kicks the queen's ass. With it's kind of awesome. Kinda just kinda slapping the queen around. Yeah. Slaps the queen around a little bit. Pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> ends up ultimately blowing the queen out of the airlock. Yeah, you know? perfect. Um, same as uh, the first movie. Just about gets caught herself, but but yep. doesn't. Yeah, bi- half bishop is a hero here. Bishop's a hero, yeah. Yeah, no, half bishop, half bishop's oh, upper ha- half. Oh, you calling is a him hero. half bishop? Half yeah, bishop. bishop's upper upper half is a hero. His bottom half is useless at this point. It's not doing anything. Right. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Upper bishop. <laughs> upper bishop. Yeah. Upper half bishop is being a hero. Yeah. So we're back. We love him again. Half and half. Half and half. Half and half, Tim. Well, well half done. Half and half, Bishop. Half and half. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Hicks, Ripley, Newt, and Bishop survive, and they cool. all go into stasis. Awesome. Perfect movie. Great. They, they turn the ship towards home. Well, settle down. I've got oh, like, sorry, a couple sorry. more things. I didn't know you had more there. They turn the ship towards home. Okay. And we end with a beautiful shot of Ripley sleeping next to Newt. Excellent. Okay. Now I'm going to call out to that final shot. Yeah. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to go back to the movie and pause it because it is such a sweet it's final great. scene yeah. um, of those two like lying together. They're in separate pods, but they're basically right beside each other. It's a very, very nice moment and very important for when we continue into the next movie. Uh, yeah, true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I kind of forgot we're going to keep going with these things. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, great movie. Perfect movie. Blockbuster and Academy Award nominated. Come on. Seven time Academy Seven. Award nominated movie. Are you kidding Best? me? Are you kidding me? 1986 action movie. Seven Academy Award nominations are you kidding two wins two Two wins wins. two wins nomination for best actress in a sci-fi horror action blockbuster movie used its whole budget in the fifth in the first 15 minutes of the movie still gets nominated seven times (laughs) it's insane amazing Amazing movie dean i am not shocked it's your number 10 I'm not shocked you wanted to float it into seven. I wanted to float it. I wanted to float it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked if you watched it tonight and floated it even further up. 
I know. Honestly, honestly, Tim, this is when I remember the first time I watched these movies the day after you gave them to me, I watched Alien, thought it was such a great movie. I was so shocked by that. But when I watched Aliens, that's when I was like all in on everything Alien. Like that's when I was like, okay, you know what? This is the greatest thing. And it's that movie. I kind of before then, um, you know, didn't really know a lot about the franchise, except that, you know, those, those aliens were kind of scary. Um, but after that, I was like, I would recommend aliens to anybody, any of my friends, alien, maybe not Lena alien is a little, it's, it, it's a special thing. You know, it's one of those slow moving sci-fi movies, but aliens, I would give this to anybody. This is a great movie. I would always tell everybody, you know, alien is my favorite movie, even though aliens might be better, you know, it might just be a better movie for the masses, you know, just for everyone. It's a more uh, digestible movie for everyone. Um, it's so, so good. It deserves to be, it's one of the best action movies ever. It deserves to be in top tens of everybody. Like you, you like you said, Predator needs to be in everyone's top 10. This movie needs to be in everyone's top 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, they do a good job of it uh, kind of being a standalone. So if you have not seen the first oh, yeah. movie, you don't really need to see, uh, see the first one to see this one. So it, it well, makes sense of, without that. Yeah. The first one's so small and isolated. One thing, one ship, one crew, that's it. You could just pick up on this and they'll let you know about it. Like, they'll just talk about it. Yes, I'm very distraught they never made a video game for this movie because it seems perfect. Now, back in 86, it would have been very difficult to make a game that would have done this movie any justice. But I feel like right now, you could remake this game. Sorry, you could remake this movie into one of the best games ever. Just yeah, do they it. had they had a Colonial Marines game, but I think it was I think it sucked. I think no one. Well, liked they've it. made they've made a bunch a bunch of games. There's tons and tons yeah. of alien video games out there. They always try and they always fail. There's mm-hmm. tons and tons of terrible ass games. There are some really good games. There's some mediocre games. I don't think any of them are really based around Aliens the movie. Okay, so I think maybe they've grabbed the Colonial mm, Marines okay, and yeah, put yeah, them yeah, into yeah, scenarios. I'm right, talking yeah, about yeah. let's remake this movie. I want to play yeah, yeah. this movie in a video game. Yeah. In that scene where um, the the Marines are trying to pull the face hugger off of Ripley. Oh, yeah. I want that to that. be like a like a yeah. fast action where you have to hit your, your, your right. uh, yeah. X button faster than the alien. Like if the faster you press it, the further away the Marines totally. pull the alien, but it's fighting you back and like just different scenarios like that. Obviously, you know, the run and gun with the machine guns and the slow pacing, do some slow pacing. Um, I've said it before, alien isolation, probably the best alien game out there. It is um, more kind of focused on the first alien movie, but it does have some really fun uh, you know, aliens elements to it, but just not, that's not what its focus was. It's more right. focused yeah. on just like this kind of the stealth and the scariness, but um, that is by far the best alien game out there. So if anybody wants more alien content and likes video games and maybe missed that one, check that out. It's awesome. It's spooky. Now, Dean. Yeah. One yeah. more thing to do. Oh, perfect. What if? If Dean, what if you had to replace 
all the actors in the movie except for three. Who's so imperative to the character they played that you're choosing them to remain in the movie? Okay, give me a few seconds. This is very important. It is very important. I have my three. Okay. I'm curious if we'll if we'll match. Yeah. I just I, two seconds. While Dean's thinking, I'll just plug. Uh, Adam does this on uh, Throwback Trivia oh, Takedown. Yeah, 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 I'll just yeah. plug all of the podcasts in our network. If you're listening um, to Talking Back right now. We promise you that you'll love listening to the boys over at Podcasting After Dark, Zach and Corey. We promise you'll love listening to Adam and John over at Blast From Our Past. They also have a trivia show, Throwback Trivia Takedown Challenge, that Dean and I guested on. Um, I won't tell you what happened in that episode. You can go find out for yourself. I'm almost ready. You, you, when you finish off, I'm good. Are you a Seinfeld fan? Because if you are, you'll want to listen to Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast with Adam and Corey as they walk episode by episode through the entire series. Again, if you like, if you, okay, if you like listening to us, you will love listening to them. Yeah. Before I give my answers, I will say uh, all those podcasts are fantastic. I actually love all of them. They're not just because those guys are my friends. I love all those podcasts. They're fantastic. Um, Okay. I've got my three. Okay. One uh, at a time. One at a time. Okay. One at a time. Okay. Um, three, the three performances, the three actors that I cannot get rid of in this movie. Um, number one, Sigourney Weaver. Like, yes. Has, on my has list. To be there. Number one, has to be there. Sigourney okay. Weaver. Correct. <laughs> number, number two, Bill Paxton. Number two on my list, Hudson, Bill Paxton. Hudson, Bill Paxton. Perfect. Okay. Hudson, Bill Paxton. Gotta be. I mean, the these lines that this guy they're just so epic no one else is doing this i i need like you you need this in this movie he's so iconic for this movie perfect yeah number three number three this is the tough one i'm going paul riser as burke that's what i have no dude, way i have paul riser as burke <laughs> no way amazing in that order dude i have ripley that's so good i have hudson i have burke if you really think about it those are the ones you can't you can't swap them out they are so perfect for the roles yep. I'm so happy that you, that you got the same one. We did the exact but same thing. It's, it's like, they are just like, obviously Sigourney Weaver. That's a throwaway. It's hey. a bit of a throwaway because it has Queen. to be her. Like she is the greatest. She's the best. But yeah, it's, it's like Hudson. He's just, he's so funny. Yeah. He's yeah. so personable. You need that. You need that character in the movie just to like help you in those scenes where you're supposed to have fun, where where it's supposed to be lighthearted. Cameron definitely wants there to be lighthearted scenes. He's the guy driving that. And then yeah, and Burke. He, well, and he's, he's so badass, but he gets so rattled when he actually sees what he's up against. And he's so, so scared after that, that he's just like, you know, delivering all these lines and in someone else's hands, it might be annoying. And to me, it's not like to me, I love every time Hudson's on the screen. I love every time oh, me Bill too. Paxton's on the screen. So like I, someone else might not do a good job, as good a job as he did. It's he's perfect. He's more like the everyman man is like, he'd be like yeah. you or I in that role. Um, like if we're just like, okay, we got all these guns, we're gung ho. This is going to be an easy job. And then when things start to go wrong, we start to lose it. Like, oh my goodness, totally. we're yeah. all going to die. This yeah. is, we're all, this is useless. We're no all, way, we're dead. man. We're dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then Burke, yeah, 
like who else can pull off that sleazy, oh. sleazy dirt bag? Like it's so I slimy. remember, even though like no, I don't just remember, but every time I watch it, I'm like, ah, oh, Burke, I kinda, he's so like charismatic. I'm like, totally. I kind of like you, buddy, but like I know what you're gonna do, but you're. You're such a nice guy. That face. He's got that, that face. face. You just kind of want to pinch got his that cheeks. Friendly face. <laughs> yeah. It just that face is. He. he uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because he's like. Maybe it's because he does like usually you know nicer roles. He's a funny guy, you know, and other things. But when I see him in this movie, every single time I'm like, oh yeah, you know, he. I like that guy. He just forgot. He's not a bad guy. He's fine. He's so perfect as this slimy guy. Like it's. It, he's so gross. But you. You just look at him and you're like, yeah, I'd probably hang out with him. Like, he'd probably not even think twice about it. Oh, man. Yeah, perfect. Three perfect. Well, I'd go for a drink with him and he'd uh, leave you with the bill, but it's okay. <laughs> for sure. But you'd be like, ah, it's okay, bro. Bad Don't guy. worry about it. Everybody he'd be like, it was mistakes. a bad call. Okay. It's bad call. He made I a bad call. I ordered 10 tequilas. It w- I made a yeah, bad call. A bad call. Dean, thank you for joining. Oh, yes, man. What a great, great movie. This movie rules. You're welcome. I am really looking forward to Alien 3. I know a lot of people don't even like that movie, but I'm very, very interested in talking about it. And I've wanted to talk about it for a long time. I actually wanted to just jump right to Alien 3. Um, Before (laughs) we knew we were going to do the franchise, I was thinking, like, let's just talk about it. Let's just do Alien 3. But we got this whole franchise. We did two. Now we're on to three. I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Hey, everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. If you're looking for additional content from Talking Back, Sign up for our monthly newsletter. We'll be doing monthly wrap-ups, sneak peeks. We'll show you some behind-the-scenes stuff. We'll be sharing recommendations, and who knows what else is going to go on. Find a link to the sign-up form in the bio of any of our social media accounts, or feel free to reach out to Tim or Dean, and we'll set you up.